Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. Enjoy. I like things that are really well done and really well crafted, um, whether it be, you know, a jacket, whether it be a cigar, whether it be, you know, certain things like, my biggest thing is it's like I measure success is not only the things, not necessarily the things you have because that's that's BS, but it's literally those amount of things that bring fulfillment and joy to your life. Of having that time that you can actually spend the time to enjoy means that you're successful. Um, those people that that are um, unfortunately live in um, challenging times in their lives and that um, aren't doing the job that they want to be doing and these sorts of things are not living their lives full of joy. Um, and it's a matter of, I find, I feel that you are, that you can say that you're successful when you do more things that create joy in your life than create hardship or do the things that you want to do versus things you don't want to do. Um, I'm very, you know, I've, I've worked for everything that I have. Like I've not been lucky a damn day in my life. I haven't. Um, but you know, I just, I'm willing and determined to constantly be, be bringing joy to, not only my own life, but also the people's lives around me. Uh, am I easy to, to work with or live with? Hell no. But at the same time, it's a matter of like, if I could bring a smile to my girl's face or a smile to my wife's face, um, that, uh, that's successful to me. If I, if I can move people and audiences that see my work uh, and it makes them think differently, not necessarily bring them joy in terms of ha-ha happy, but actually the spark of an idea or, or, or the stirring of emotion, that is what, joy is and and it's a matter of that's what pushes me that's what drives me i don't need i don't need riches i don't need any of those sorts of things i just want to be able to tell my next story i'm srini rao and this is the unmistakable creative podcast where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements built thriving businesses written best-selling books and created insanely interesting art for more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Zeke, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, it is my pleasure to have you here. So I came across your story by way of somebody on your team who wrote in uh, and told me a bit about what you did. And when I saw that you were a filmmaker uh, and you worked in the entertainment industry, as somebody who had once had dreams of working in the entertainment industry, I was really curious about (laughs) your background and your story. But uh, before we get to that, I want to start by asking you, who would you say was one of the most influential people in your life and what impact did they end up having on the choices you've made with your life and your career? Um, the most impactful person was probably my grandfather. Um, his name was Charlie Lar, and um, he his father started uh, an amusement park, um, and um, so it has a very big bearing on how I create and why I create and so forth. Uh, but the interesting thing is, before my grandfather passed away, is he gave me uh, a carousel ring to um, the very first ride at Dorney Park, um, which was a carousel, and he told me to never you know stop reaching for this. 
Um, and that's kind of like what's been driving me ever since I started on my on my career path is uh, keep reaching for that brass ring. Um, mm-hmm. You'll eventually eventually you'll get it. Um, and it's been tough. And he, my grandfather went through a ton of adversity, um, as do I as a creative and things. But, you know, his his philosophy and his his mentorship and his tenacity is something that I care care with me day to day. Yeah. What uh, what impact did, did being immersed in an environment like an amusement park uh, at such an early age and I'm guessing much more frequently than most of our as uh, are uh, have on your sort of worldview, your perspective and, and even your creative process? Oh, tons. Um, so it's interesting growing up in an amusement park is one is um, a lot of people think that it's glamorous and it's fun and everything. Well, we actually had to work it. It's completely different. So I had friends there that would have a good time and everything else. And we had to work it, um, which isn't a bad thing. I started working very young, but like I would, you know, but I, when the park was closed, it'd basically be a playground. We'd climb up ro- uh, roller coasters and slide down them on our rear ends and things. Um, and I go around on safety checks with my grandfather. So I became like completely unafraid of heights because of it. Um, and so you started to realize the, the, the background and the, um, the inner workings of how things work. Um, and so that's always um, been interesting um, from how I approach my filmmaking. Um, and I learned a very valuable lesson very early on where um, in the entertainment bit or in the amusement park business, you have an amusement or you have entertainment and around that you have different profit centers. Uh, and so that's how I create all my projects now is I just don't create one um, source of revenue. I create projects where I can have multiple sources of revenue. Um, just so that you know we can be successful and so I can pay my bills and so I can go on to the next project. Uh, the other interesting thing about growing up in the amusement park is realize that um, life is full of facades. Uh, for those people that don't realize it, that like, you know, everything in the amusement park is pretty much um, plaster. Um, and so things can be changed out pretty, pretty easily in things. And so you realize that you, you build these things that people's perception changes um, and what is actually behind those facades matter a heck of a lot more than what those facades actually are. So it's always been very interesting. And so like, even in the stories that I tell, I'd like to tell the behind the scenes sorts of things that I do the actual spectacle. And I think that has a lot to do with, uh, with the um, living in, well, growing up in the amusement park. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's interesting you brought up this uh, idea of life being full of facades, which in my mind translates to the fact that reality is malleable. Uh, <laughs> it makes me wonder why you think so many people see their reality as fixed. Um, well, it's interesting. I don't know about that because uh, I feel like the, there's a duality in it now, especially with social media. It's the mm-hmm. perception that people want to put out there. Is that actually truly who they are or is that the facade of what they want people to to believe is happening i mean this is happening a lot with like i just wrote an interesting study on on particularly teenage girls and like how there's a lot more growing depression amongst teenage girls because of uh social media and so forth and their the influence that they can never attain perfection um and that's what is it's pretty interesting is that you know um you know somebody's reality being very malleable um it, well every day is malleable if you think about it but and and so it's interesting of like how you think about it that way and your own sense of reality and are you living real or are you living a facade Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm very real i'm like i'm like you know cutthroat um not cutthroat in terms of the mean way but like literally like i i will tell you anything um and it's just a matter of like i i I believe in being as authentic as possible and i think because of growing up in a series of facades 
uh, lent itself to being uh, for me to be as authentic as I can be. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I was, I was listening to an interview that I'd, uh, I did with somebody where I was on the other side of the mic and, and we were talking about reality. And I said, you know, all of our reality is based on a series of collective agreements. Uh, we just don't challenge those agreements. Like we're pretty much conditioned to stop challenging them at a certain point. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, and I think, though, too, it's like I think to learn more, we need to challenge more. Um, and the biggest thing is, like, I just don't believe in complacency. So I'm constantly eager to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's the big thing. It's like, it's like, I never stop learning. Like every single conversation I have, I'm always taking notes. Uh, we just had a meeting this morning at my production office and we were literally talking about like, how did you know, or how did you connect to that person? I'm like, because somebody was talking about them and I made a note of it and, and I reached out to them and, and here we are today. Um, so, um, that's the big thing is I think we have to be constant, constant students and be constantly curious. You know, uh, one of the the other things that you uh, brought up was this uh, idea that your grandfather went through a lot of adversity. Do you remember any specific? Oh, yeah. And what are the things that stayed with you from those adverse experiences that you applied later on in your life? Oh gosh, well, my grandfather literally helped build the park with his two hands. Uh, he is the only one of his siblings that did that, um, and then he ended up being completely cut out of um, of my great grandfather as well. Um, and so, and there, there was a reason for that is my grandfather, um, had to make a choice of whether or not, um, he was a master electrician, by the way, he did high voltage stuff, uh, brilliant, brilliant, um, engineer and everything else as well. And so, um, early on, he had to choose between raising his family or working the park. And he decided that it was going to raise his family, got an electrician's job, was working just as an electrician and kind of like, you know, was still helped around the park, did all the safety stuff and everything else at the park. Uh, but he kind of stepped away from that. And by doing so, my great grandfather took that as a slight and literally cut him out of everything. So as my grandfather's family all had all these riches and stuff, we lived very, very modestly. Um, and that was a big lesson too, uh, that I learned early on is that it's that family is more important than money. Um, and the other thing too, was a matter of my grandfather also was crippled up because of work. And so, he gave me the freedom to do all these things that, that he couldn't do. Like I would climb huge water towers to put, to put like the flashing beaker beacon on top of the, 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 uh, the water things. I would climb the, the uh, roller coasters. Like I just was all over the places as, as you know, all the way into my early adulthood. Um, but like his, his adversities were, you know, were, were everything always got pushed in his face, you know? And, and that's what just is sad. It's like, it's like, you know, um, Oh, being very candid, uh, we later, my grandfather, before he passed away, shared something with me that one of his daughters that he raised as his own was not his. Um, and I can only imagine what it would be like to raise a child as your own and never let them on that they, that they were not yours. Um, and, you know, living, just living that, uh, it, it's crazy to think about, but, um, but it's true. Um, and, um, you know, we, 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 you know, we all love her regardless and everything else. And, you know, this all didn't come out until she ended up getting a, uh, um, you know, one of those, um, uh, uh, DNA tests and things. And I knew it because my grandfather told me, but then she found out only about a year and a half ago or so, but I knew for decades. Um, and so it's interesting. It's a matter of that whole idea of adversity. And, and when you say something and you don't say something, um, is very powerful, but I very firmly believe that you have to be authentic and you have to be real and you have to be willing to help people 
and educate. And, and if things get tough, you just have to keep going, uh, learn from it and keep going. Like for instance, like right now we're about to distribute my latest feature film billboard, uh, in theater starting in April. And my distributor passed away this past weekend. Um, Mark Ehrman, who was a champion of ours and, and, you know, uh, um, you know, very much loved in the entertainment business and the film business, uh, passed away this past Saturday night. Um, and he has a very small office now. And, and so it was a matter of like, you know, he passed away. And so we're here right now trying to figure out how do we go forward and what do we do? Um, and you know, we're trying to figure it out. Uh, and we realize that we're going to need people to help. Um, that's something that you don't generally do is, is ask for help. Um, you know, I am a kind of alpha male type that don't like <laughs> that, that, that has a hard time asking for help, but I need help. We're going to need help. Um, and so my grandfather just kept you know, going, you know, and persevering through adversity after adversity, same thing with my mom and mom's very much the same way. And, and here I am the third generation of that. And, and I just refuse to quit. Yeah. Do you think that some people have that inherently uh, based on the environment that they were brought up in and the experiences that they had? Or do you think that that can be developed? Because in my you know, experience, at least based on, on the adversity that I've experienced, is that your tolerance for adversity only increases by going through it. Yeah, it's, it's well, yeah, you're absolutely right on that. Um, but the thing about it, too, is that I feel that I, I would rather um, have very, very hard things happen to me instead of my friends and family so that they don't have to go through them. Um, and I don't mean to sound like a martyr by any means, but just a matter of like, I feel like there, there's only so much crap that can happen in the world. Uh, and I'd rather happen to me than other, than other people so that they don't have to go through them. Um, but also too, it's like, it's like, this has been endless though. I got to tell you, like, like we have had one adversity after another with this film that we're, that we're doing right now. Um, and my wife has become like, like, the thing is, like, when stuff goes wrong and stuff happens beyond our control, she doesn't even really react much anymore because she's like, well, it's just kind of typical of what's been happening, you know, which is kind of sad. <laughs> it's it's really sad, but but it's true. But I feel like people innately can get through stuff, uh, and I think other people crumble. Um, I just won't crumble. Hmm. Wow. Uh, what kinds of narratives did your parents pass on to you about the things that you were going to do with your career, particularly because you're a filmmaker, you work in the entertainment industry. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's any more industry. I mean, I, I think a career in the arts in general is one of the most difficult choices that you could make career wise, uh, because of, of the sheer uncertainty of it all. And I wonder, uh, particularly because I grew up in an Indian family, I always wonder what kinds of narratives you were given about this. Uh, are you referring to like the, my storytelling or yeah, I mean, what, did, what did your parents, what kind of advice did your parents give you about pursuing a creative career or what warnings um, did they give you? Well, it was more warnings because, um, early on, um, I thought I was going to end up at wall street. Um, and I ended up, um, enter, um, analyzing entertainment stocks, um, on the tax sector early on in my career. And that's one reason why I have a hard time trusting studios because I would figure out where they would hide their money. <laughs> from the creatives mm -hmm. uh so that's one reason why too that i'm 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 very much an independent um but they they warned me um they've always known that i was going to be a hard worker uh, my mom is a minister um and we ended up cleaning real estate offices as a kid to get my mom through seminary um and um that's what i mean like i i i grew up like having to work and work hard uh, my entire life and 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 struggle is real in my in my in my family and and um Trying to put food on the table is hard sometimes. Uh, not now, but it was when I was growing up. Um, but um, 
they just they warned me a lot in making sure that you had thick skin, make sure you always you know think about how you can make more money around it, always have a side hustle um, because uh, leading a creative life is a challenge because once you be, once you get to a certain point, more people want stuff from you than what they're willing to give. Um, and just to be prepared for that. Um, another thing too, is a matter of like keeping a very ethic, uh, way of doing business was also very important. Uh, and that's something that I've always been very, um, upfront about as a matter of like, you know, I'm not going to date you if you're in my film, anything along those lines. It just is a matter of like, I've always kept that very, very separate. Hey, it's Srini. I want to tell you about a really cool new app that I recently discovered that I think you'll find really valuable and really like. It's called Reason8.ai, and it's a note-taking app for meetings. If you have in-person meetings, you'll dig this app because it records your entire meeting, gives you a full transcript, and it gives you a summary and action items. So that way you can be more present during your meetings and you don't have to sit around taking notes. It's something that we use in every one of our meetings now, and it's been invaluable to our meetings to be able to go back and review them. Not only does it give you the transcript, a summary, and action items, it also gives you a full recording of the meeting so you can go back and you can play it if you want to check it out. So visit reason8.ai and download the app today. Again, that's reason8.ai. Your mom being a a minister, what uh, kind of spiritual beliefs or spiritual practices have uh, informed your life? Oh my gosh, that is a, that is a very intense question. Um, So my mom is a minister. I grew up going to church. Um, She got a, she had her calling when I was in elementary school um, and decided to go into seminary. Um, And so I grew up in a Christian household. Uh, then I hit my freshman year of, of uh, high school and I had so many friends die and get killed. Uh, it was unbelievable. It was unbearable. Um, I went to 27 funerals within 13 months. And I know that sounds completely absurd, but it, 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 it was like it was four in five weeks. Um, and um, so that started to make me question what I believed in in a big way. Is there a God? Why does God exist if he's putting me through all this stuff? Like kind of like the idea of Book of Job. Um, you know, trying to persevere through things. Um, but that led me on a path of trying to figure out the foundation of Christianity. Um, and then when I ended up realizing that the Bible was translated, um, you know, most people don't realize it, but they're reading, you know, the Christian Bible right now uh, in English that was translated from German, that was translated uh, from the Latin, that was translated from Aramaic, that was translated from Hebrew. Um, so there's a lot lost in that translation. If you go right from Hebrew to English, um, the Bible says a lot of different things than what you are uh, that you're aware of. And because of that, I ended up um, going to Israel to study uh, religion. Uh, I studied at an Orthodox yeshiva. I studied with um, an Inman, a, a Muslim cleric, and then I also studied with Jesuit priests uh, to try and figure out what the heck I believed in. Um, and um, it was a, it was intense. Um, you know, that was an eight month uh, study that I did. Uh, but it also is very gratifying as well because I firmly have a very, very strong belief in what I believe in now. And quite honestly, it's an amalgamation between um, Judaism and Christianity. Um, and uh, that's kind of like where my spiritual journey went. And there is a sort of uh, spirituality in a lot of the things that I pursue. And, and I do do with um, uh, death quite a bit uh, because of having to uh, go through so much of it growing up. Um but uh, it's one of those things that that religion helps you through those things of believing in a higher power. Yeah. How did seeing so many people die at such a young age uh, impact your perspective on your own life and your own mortality? I got to tell you, I thought I was going to I didn't think I was going to last 
told 21. I thought I was going to be dead before I was 21. Um, I was, I was determined that was going to happen. So I lived extremely, extremely recklessly. <laughs> I never, I've never been into drugs, so I don't mean that way, but like I had motorcycles, I had, you know, car, like all kinds of stuff. And like, I literally, like, I feel like I'm living on borrowed time, but as, as it is, cause I've had some, some pretty, pretty, um, heroic, uh, accidents and things as well. Um, not intentional, just as like, you know, I just live very cavalier. Um, but with doing that and realizing that, um, like for instance, it was very hard for me to fall in love. Um, because I just was fearful because I had two girlfriends that was that that died, and and I had, I had a hard time, um, you know, wanting to go through that pain again. Uh, so finding and and being willing to get into a relationship, um, was very very challenging. I mean, I I have an amazing wife now, uh, Elaine. She's she's a rock star, um, and um, but that didn't come till I was later. Until later, I I didn't get married till I was thirty eight, um, but having a lot of death extremely impacted, you know, how I live my life. And so I just do, do pretty much what I want, what I want to, uh, I have responsibilities. I don't, I don't shirk my responsibility by any means, but I firmly believe that I need to live life to the fullest. Uh, I'm up for any challenge. Um, and it's a matter of having that much death and seeing that much pain, um, and anguish on parents' faces, um, is something that I'll never forget. And it also drives me to be creative today. Uh, and I do a lot of things in, 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 in other people's honor. Do you have kids? Uh, yeah. Elaine, um, had three daughters when I married her. And so I have three stepdaughters. All right. Uh, how has, uh, the experiences that have the experiences that you had uh, watching friends, uh, die, uh, the experience that you had with your own parents, how have those informed the kind of parent that you are today? Uh, I am brutally honest with their girls. Um, and the girls and I have a different relationship than, than they do with their own parents, um, with Elaine and Scott. Um, their dad is a very, very kind, very earnest, um, very caring gentleman. Um, and we worked at um, having all of the parents work together instead of there being any sort of fissure in relationships. Um, and it's, it's work. It's a lot of work. Um, and so... Uh, I've experienced probably more than um, all the other parental figures in the girls' lives. Um, and so they kind of come to me for like the grit uh, of how to get through something or what they're thinking or what they're doing. Um, and when I wanted to marry Elaine, um, because her, her dad um, was deceased, I went to Julia, uh, our oldest daughter. And, um, you know, and at first she said no. Uh, when I wanted to marry her mom, she said no. Um, and I respected that. And so I didn't ask, you know, Elaine to marry me for like, basically like a couple of days later when she finally came around. Um, and, um, so I've always respected the girls, um, tremendously. I've respected them as women very early on. Um, and, um, it's been, it's been, it's a beautiful relationship. Uh, and they're awesome girls and I'm extremely, extremely proud of them. Mm -hmm. Well, let's do this. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit and get into your actual work. I think we've been kind of dancing around the edges of it. So how do you go from growing up in an amusement park to working on Wall Street to becoming a filmmaker? Like that doesn't seem like a straight and narrow path. So how in the world did all of that happen? Sure. So, so yeah, just to get it straight that I actually wasn't on Wall Street. I actually okay. worked remotely in DC just so, ah. just so that people realize. So, right. um, so, um, uh, I had a friend that was a filmmaker that was at NYU Film School, and he's like, oh my gosh, with your background, you make a heck of a producer. Didn't know what the heck producers did, so I did what anybody else did, is I would pick up books and start to learn. Uh, I became extremely infatuated with it very fast, because uh, I loved the, the legal side of it, I loved the business side of it, I loved the creative side of it. 
Um, and then um, his name was Marcus. And Marcus ended up getting cold feet to go forward with his feature. And then I had this all of a sudden this this newfound passion for something. And so I talked my way into getting into Syracuse uh, grad school for film. Um, and what ended up happening there was um, after my first semester, my professor Dana was like, you know, what the hell are you doing going to school when you could make your first film uh, for just a, for the same amount of money it would take, um, you know, to go to school for a year, you can make your first film. Uh, so I heeded her advice. I moved back to the Lehigh Valley, the downtown area in Pennsylvania, refinanced the only asset that I had, which was a black Jeep Wrangler, and started my company. And I've been producing films for now over 20 years. Wow. Um, so that's literally what started. It was a matter of my passion for a lot of different things, having both the creative mind and also had the business mind um, that are at odds quite a bit, mind you. Um uh, and, and it's a struggle, it's an internal struggle quite a bit because of that. But um, that's literally the path that I had. So I, I have basically one film production class behind me, and I've been making films ever since. My first film was a film called Affairs that I made for $27,000, almost the same amount that it took me uh, to go to uh, Syracuse for a year. Um, and um, I you know, booked theaters and made my money back and made some money, and that put me on the, the radar for Sundance. And so I was invited to the Sundance Producers Conference. Um, and, um, and that basically started my, my career trajectory. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new custom spray five in one gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. 
As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Hmm. Uh, when you do something like make a film, uh, how do you even decide the kinds of stories that you want to tell? And then how do you balance this idea of sort of being true to yourself and being true to your vision while at the same time creating for, uh, you know, an audience that's going to consume this? Uh, I'm really curious about this because this is something that I wrote about in my previous book. Yeah. So, um, the first question would be, um, so the subject matter for my, my projects is I will produce other people's work. Uh, I will direct those things that I write. Um, and so what, what I, what kind of subject matter I gravitate towards is generally things that I know, um, and, um, and things that, um, inspire me quite honestly. Uh, like this, you know, this film billboard is loosely based on something that happened back, um, in the early eighties. Uh, and I always wondered why these people are living on a billboard, but I was more engaged of, or more interested in what was happening at the radio station, the kind of behind the scenes of this whole thing. That's what the film really is about. Um, and so that was, you know, that's like, like how I create, or that's, you know, um, the choices that I make to create something. Now, like if I read a script and, and if I read the script and I'm about a third of the way into it and I can't put it down, uh, and then I finish it and I love it. I'll, I'll, I'll produce it. Uh, I'll put all the resources and anything else it takes that I have to be able to make it happen. Uh, so again, it's not just my vision that I want to, um, you know, carry up, but it's other people's visions as well. Um, did I, did I answer your full question? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I, I think that, uh, I guess the other part of it is, is, you know, you're balancing that with the fact that, you know, this is something oh, that is existing for commercial purposes, right? So how do you, how do you not lose the integrity of what you're creating while knowing that this is being designed for commercial purposes or being created for uh, commercial purposes? Well, sure. So I actually think about the commercial aspect of something when I'm even writing something, when, wow. I'm, when I'm creating it. Um, so I'm kind of a little bit different uh, in how I approach all this stuff is that again, struggling all my life, I'm like, I have to figure out how I'm going to make money. Uh, and so that's paramount in my mind. Um, so I will write something or create something where I know I can make money at it. Um, and so uh, I know that sounds a little, a little, a little cheap, but it's true. Um, but then as a, as a creative, I have to make sure that whatever that, that idea is, is that I make it as interesting and as creative as possible so that I'll fulfill that that creative um, you know, passion as well. Um, so I generally start with the idea of what what I want to do. Uh, and then I think about, okay, how can this make money? Uh, and then I will figure that out. And then I'll go into actually creating you know, the content or creating the copy or creating the scripts or anything else around that. Yeah. 
what uh you know like to me when i look at something like a movie right if i go sit down in a theater i, I look at it and think to myself okay well this looks like a hell of a lot more complicated than writing a book uh, oh hell yeah because there's so many moving parts and i wonder what does the creative process look like like how do you go from you know day one of hitting record on the camera to what we see in theaters which i realize is a massive question but like what is the the you know detail behind that like how do you what how do you work on a daily basis on something like this Sure. So that actually is actually starts way before hitting record on a camera, though. Yeah. Um, you know, it starts in the script phase, the development phase, um, you know, and that's when you kind of start to bring the ideas to life. Uh, I firmly believe in story R&D, um, where like, for instance, when I'm good with a script, um, I then share it with 10 people. I want their honestly got feedback. They give it to me, thank God. And then from there, I'll go into a rewrite that rewrite, then I'll do um, a live script reading, where I'll, I will, um, you know, basically rent a theater, have actors read the script, charge admission. <laughs> so I'm already starting to make money on the project very early on uh, and uh, and listen to what the audience has to say about the script. I then take all those notes and I go back into writing the final, the final draft. Uh, and then from that final draft, I start to schedule it out, trying to figure out how much money it's going to take to be able to, to make it. Um, and then from there, I start to try and build out a team uh, of actors and, and fellow craftspeople behind the scenes of things. Um, and then, you know, we get into the production phase, which is a complete, uh, which is always very interesting and very much a challenge. Um, and like, for instance, this film, uh, Billboard, we literally, like we were doing some sneak previews of the film and we got some feedback on stuff. And I literally went out and shot a scene that ended up in the last screening that we had. It's now in the final, the final version of the film. Um, so you're constantly reworking things. Um, yeah. And so, so you have production, which is generally like camping. I guess that's the best way I can explain it is, is a matter of like, you're, you're all over the place. You're, you're living in these conditions and you get all these people around, you work really long hours. Uh, and then it gets into the, into the uh, post-production phase where um, you start to hone in on what you actually created. Um, some things change. Um, and, you know, then you score it, you start to um, get feedback from it, from your peers, go back and re-edit um, and all these sorts of things. So I firmly believe in like sharing what I have with people to get their feedback. Uh, and honest feedback so I can make a better product. Um, I don't really feel that um, I'm the end all to be all to all my creation. I feel like I have to listen to, to the audience um, and not try and um, you know drive something down their throats if they're not willing to actually even participate in it to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, and so then, there, then you have the distribution and promotion side of it that we're actually entered in just now with Billboard. And it's a matter of like, and that's a whole other ball of wax. So then you need you know, more champions of the project to be able to be willing to write about it. You know, people like you being willing enough to put me on air with you and, and, and share my story and things. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's a lot of work. I got to say, like, what I do is more work than I think anybody would ever, ever imagine. Um, you know, I've been working on this one project now for 10 years because there's a lot of different moving parts to it. Uh, I mean, actively working on a 10 years where this is my full-time job, oh, more than full-time. And generally, I'm at my studio about 70 hours a week. Um, and, um, and that's the thing it's like, and, and the, the beauty of it and the, what keeps me energized about it is every phase is so different. And so it's always so new. So you're never doing the same thing over and over again. Um, but there's a lot to it. There's a lot to it. There's a lot of legal aspects of it. There's a lot of finance aspects to it. Um, and a lot of, um, of characters. Um, what, uh, in your mind, uh, separates people, uh, who succeed in the arts, uh, from the ones who don't, whether it's musicians, whether it's writers, whether it's actors. And I think actors being probably one of the toughest ones, because it seems like, you know, every 
week people are coming to Hollywood to make it. And, you know, the odds are so stacked against them. I would actually say it's easier to be an actor than it is to be a producer. Yeah. Uh, reason is because you like as an as a producer, I hired, you know, over 500 people to be in my film. You know what I mean? So it's like it's like it's like, you know, so I think actually being a producer is probably harder. And there's actually a hell of a lot more at risk because you're generally putting a lot of your own money on the line for things. Um, but um, to answer your question, it's not giving up. It's a matter of persevering. It's a matter of listening. Um, a lot of artists don't listen well enough, I think, and they want to try it and then they want to shove things down their audience's throats. And that's why they don't succeed um, early on is because they're not listening. Uh, the other thing, too, is like realizing that this is never a one man show or a one woman show. It takes a team of people to make something happen. Um, you know, yeah, you as the artist might be like the one out front, but you have to work with an entire team around you to be successful. Like I have an, I have a, an amazing team of people that work with me. Uh, and I can't do what I'm doing without them. And, 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 you know, and I'm extremely grateful for them. I'm just like, just like a songwriter. Let's just say it's a, it's a solo songwriter and, um, she doesn't know how to make it. You know, you just start building audience and you start, you know, you know, building a following, you be genuine with people, you share what you're experiencing with people. And then as that goes along, people become more, um, entrenched in what you're doing and care more and care deeper that they're willing to become a part of it. And then they're willing to, to become super fans that they'll buy anything that you put out there and everything else. And every artist needs at least, you know, a thousand super fans to keep, to keep going. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's a matter of building those super fans and listening and, 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 and not quitting too many people quit. Um, I've been at this for, you know, 20 years and I've never had a huge film, you know, I've never made a, a lot of money on any of my films, but I, but I, but I refuse to quit. And so over the series of time, you, know, you produce 10 films and so you have steady income from those 10 films and yada, yada, yada. So I look at it as the long tail, not the short tail. The problem that, that, that my industry particularly faces is that, you know, Sundance is next week uh, and I'm an alum of Sundance and I love Sundance by all means, but a lot of filmmakers treat it as a lottery that they're going to go to Sundance, they're going to sell their film, they're going to make millions of dollars, which is not the case. It's very rarely the case, and that's why I call it more of a lottery than it is than it is, you know, like a buying market. Um, and so people have to just realize that you have to think about things holistically and not just for that one that one term gain. Um, that things take a little bit more time. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the way I always tell you know people to think of books too. Is this isn't about one book? If you're serious about building a career, ideally, you know, you're thinking about this in the long run, which means you're yeah. not obsessed with bestseller lists or immediate sort of splashes. Um, I wonder, and I, I see this in the world that I play in with people who do things like start podcasts or blogs or whatever, because of, of social media and the rapid feedback loops, there's a level of impatience to get to some level of success that uh, I think is is just not, you know, it's not realistic. Uh, and well, it's as also result, fake too, run. though. Yeah. It's also fake. It's like people don't like, you know, like my daughters will say like, oh my gosh, I get 10,000 likes on their Instagram. Great. How many of those are real? And how many of those are created by bots? You know, it's like, and that's the sad thing about it. It's like, it's like all of a sudden, you know, reality is being warped by, by, um, you know, algorithms, by, you know, um, bots, by all these sorts of things that are, are creating this facade of success. And then when people actually try to do it themselves, they're not having the success that they see the people that they, that they aspire to be. And that's a huge challenge. There's a big breakdown. And then it's a matter of like, you know, uh, oh my gosh, I'm not worthy. And then depression set. It's, it, 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 it's, it's a bit, it's a bit of a challenge because I do agree with you that everybody thinks that there's immediacy of success 
It's not. It's like I for whenever I speak at colleges and things, I'm like, hey, listen, you want to be a filmmaker? Whatever year you're in, after you graduate, add seven years. If you could sustain doing what you're doing for seven years, you'll be successful because it's just like sales. You, you have to be in it for a long period of time to be able to build your book, to be able to build your, your client list, and then to be successful. And so if you're not going to, if you're not going to devote seven years of eating ramen, get, go to a different industry. <laughs> it, it being blunt about it, but it's true. It's like, you know, that's the thing is like people feel like this stuff's like, you know, happens overnight and it doesn't. You hear about overnight successes, but they've been probably mining that success for at least seven years. Monday morning, 10 a.m., I'm making a Facebook graphic. 11 a.m., I am still making a Facebook graphic. 11.59 a.m., I am still making the graphic. 12.19 p.m., I finish making the mediocre graphic. Then from 12.21 p.m. to 7.01 p.m., I am frustratingly resizing said mediocre graphic for social media. 7.02 p.m., I am finally done. I post my mediocre graphic, and I cry a little bit, and I wonder, is there a better way? Tuesday morning, 10 a.m., I send a note to Serini asking for the name of all of his graphic people. 10.07 a.m., Serini sends me a note back and says, Hey, Lisa, I use Delazine for $350 a month, and I get unlimited graphic design that includes graphic design, branding, website design, animation, and a ton more with a dedicated senior designer. And they nailed our brand on the very first attempt, and they have blazing fast turnaround times. 10.30 a.m., I wonder why Serini has all the answers and quickly sign up for Delazine. 11 a.m., I tell Delazine what I need and I get on with my day. 11.05 a.m., I am doing my day and loving Delazine and Serini. And right now, if you go to Delazine.com slash unmistakable and use the coupon code unmistakable, you get 30% off your first month. So that's Delazine.com slash unmistakable. And don't forget to use the coupon code unmistakable so you get your 30% off your first month. Yeah. You know, it's funny because we've talked about the negative sides of technology, uh, but I want to look at it also from a positive angle because, you know, I, I don't know how, how close we are in age, but when I was in college, it took hundreds of hours and thousands of dollars to do something as simple as build a website. And now with a click of a button, I can build a website. I can broadcast my ideas to the world. Um, you know, I'm running a show that uh, reaches people all over the world with literally a microphone and a laptop. And yeah. I think that's remarkable. I think that the potential to express our creativity is at a you know at, at a peak, unlike it's ever been. I mm-hmm. think the, the, there's a paradox at play, though, and this is something I said in, in my previous book: is the very tools that you know facilitate so much of our creativity also are the things that are inhibiting it. And as somebody who has sort of um, preceded the world of, of all these tools existing, how do you think it makes uh, the lives of creators better? And how do you think creators can utilize what they have at their disposal to move themselves forward? Because, you know, I, I can't tell you the number of people that I feel like, you know, I hear their story that they're sitting around waiting for somebody to say, yeah, you're worthy of this. Here's our money. You're worthy of this. We'll publish your book. You're worthy of this. We'll have you as a guest on our show. And, you know, that like to me, I'm like, wow, you're, you're sitting around waiting for permission. And yet you have all of these tools that would allow you to do the thing that you say you want to do so badly? Well, well that, that's an awesome question, and it's very loaded. Um, I believe <laughs> yeah. in technology. Um, I love technology. Uh, I was, I'm always a very early adopter of a lot of, a lot of um, things. Um, and, I, and I do that even with my career as well. Like, I've been on Facebook since, like, you had to actually subscribe to it and get, you know, in, you know within the college um, uh, network. 
Um, yeah, so I've been on Facebook since like these, I think 2006. Um, yeah, I think it's since 2006. And so like I'm an early adopter of all these technology and I love them. Don't get me wrong by any means. I'm just trying to, mm-hmm. to, to convey that um, there is a bit of a downside and people can't believe the hype on a lot of things. Uh, can you hype yourself? Absolutely. Um, but I firmly believe in, in real engagement. Uh, that's one reason why I'm in, in out in the public quite a bit is like, I want to, I want to look people in the eye and talk to them, uh, then just do it on social. Um, also too, is I am been known to when somebody bashes something like not bashes because people have their opinions and I don't care about that. But if people actually say something directly to me, uh, about something, um, I will literally show up at their doorstep or something and literally confront them about it. Uh, and, and, and I'm not kidding. I've done this three times. In fact, somebody just said, did something two weeks ago. And my wife's like, you're crazy. My the gentleman, one of the gentlemen that works for me, he's, he's like, he's like, ah, just ignore it. And I didn't ignore it. Um, and you know, I, I took care of it and you know, you know, oh my gosh, that's not what I meant. And yada, yada, yada. But it's just a matter of like, people have to realize that there are a lot of trolls out there. Ignore them. Um, and, but if it's something that you feel very, you know, um, adamant about confront them, don't be afraid to confront people, um, do it in a nice way and in a cordial way and, an, and, a, and in a non-threatening way, that's the big key about that non-threatening. Um, and it's a matter of, um, getting, you know, finding peace in it all, uh, social media and, and, um, technology is awesome to be able to broadcast what you're doing if you if you do it right. Um, and we are still learning that, mind you. Um, it is a bit of a challenge to try and, you know, get, you know, people to, you know, like our Instagram account for Billboard movie and like our Facebook, you know, um, account for face uh, for a Billboard movie. Um, but we're trying, we're working at it. Um, and the thing is too, it's like we're trying to build it more organically than we're trying to juice it. Um, but, but there are so many awesome tools out there for creatives, um, to, uh, to use like Adobe, the Adobe suite is just unbelievable. Like we, we have it and we can do not only edit, we can do all kinds of fun stuff with it, which is just awesome. I think those are the things that people forget. Like I, I still, you know, create spreadsheets all the time and try to figure stuff out. Um, and all that stuff wouldn't be like when I first started, it was literally like a pen and paper and ledgers, you know, now I can create algorithms and try and figure it out and create code and stuff and, and get things out there and all kinds of fun stuff. So you know, it's pretty, it's pretty unbelievable, but it's just a matter of like, people also have to realize the power um, that they have. Um, you know, one of the themes of Billboard is a matter of like how media plays a part in success or failure of something. Um, and, um, and I don't mean necessarily news media, I'm talking about even social media as well. Um, that if you own your own business and you have somebody that works for you and all of a sudden they had a bad day, they treated a customer wrong. All of a sudden, that customer puts something on your Facebook page, like, oh, my gosh, don't ever go to, you know, um, business X because they're they're rude and yada, yada, yada. Well, that then affects your business. <laughs> and that's the power that the that the crowd and audience has. Well, you also have to realize that by participating in that, you have to realize the responsibility that one has in being honest and forthright and kind of like taking like, well, did they just have a bad day or is this something, you know, that they breed within their business? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big thing. And so that's one of the things we address in Billboard. Mm, wow. Um, so, you know, you've had... Uh, have you noticed I don't have yes and no answers for you ever? Yeah, no, I, I don't want yes and no answers. <laughs> that's fantastic. That is precisely what I wanted. So uh, that is all good. Like, how, how do you feel about How do you feel about it? How do you feel oh, about social media sides of things? 
Uh, so it's funny because this is kind of a perfect segue to my next question, but I'll, I'll answer your question first. Uh, I, I'm on a, a 30 day hiatus right now from it. I haven't hosted anything. Are you jonesing? Are you jonesing? No, no, not, uh, not at all. In fact, I'm, I'm very relieved. Um, I'm less anxious. I'm finding myself less depressed. I'm getting more things done that matter to me. And I'm beginning to really question whether these things really did anything of, you know, meaningful value for my life. Like, do I really need them? Uh, and more and more, I'm feeling like the answer to that question is not really. Uh, my guess is that after this, I will use them, but very little in comparison. Like it's, I mean, I've been gradually dialing off bit by bit, but I wanted to see, you know, what would happen if I didn't post anything on Facebook for 30 days. And, you know, part of it is, you know, we had a guest here named Cal Newport, uh, who just wrote a book called Digital Minimalism. And uh, I am very much of the belief that, uh, you know, these things are taking away from our ability to do really meaningful work and to get good at what we do instead of confusing attention with accomplishment. Well, it's interesting, yeah, because that's like basically the antithesis of what Vaynerchuk is doing, you know? Yeah. Um, and the interesting about that is, is, is I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, um, uh, a friend of Gary's, I'm a supporter of, of Gary's, I love what he's doing and everything else, I love his tenacity and his, and his eagerness and things, but people have to realize that Gary has an entire team around him. Gary has like 12 people that work for him that are pushing out his content um, and things. So it's like, that's the things that people, that's that, that whole facade thing we talked about early on. It's mm. a matter of people don't realize that he's out there so much, but he has an entire team of people that he employs to be able to do that. When you watch his early YouTube videos that are freaking brilliant, they're, 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 they're hard. They're like horribly lit. Like, like he's swearing like a truck driver, but he's passionate and like it's just it's beautiful to watch. Like watching that compared to what things are now, uh, where things are so hyper produced, um, it's fascinating. So I it, it's interesting that you say about going on a sabbatical uh, from from technology. Um, um, I have a lot of excuses why I can't do that right now, and they are just excuses. Uh, but but that, that's got to be hard. It's got to be really really hard to do right now. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, you know, like I'm seeing that, uh, you know, I saw that, you know, Facebook did little to move the needle on book sales for my book. And I was like, okay, so maybe this isn't as relevant as I think it is, uh, which is, you uh, know, how much did you push it? Did you, did you actually, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Enough that it was a huge fight with my publisher about how much they wasted on it. Uh, but let's let, we're getting carried away here. Let's oh, no, get back no, to I, you. I, 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 have a, I have a question for you then. So then how did you, what was the, what was the most successful tool that you had in the sales of your book? Email. Was speaking engagements? No, email. Our, our Direct email. email. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It, I mean, you can talk to any author, book marketing strategist, or book marketing expert, and they will tell you the exact same thing. Well, how'd you build your email list? You know, uh, one subscriber at a time, the same way we built the podcast. And so how were able, people able to subscribe to your, to your email list? You know, various calls to action at the the bottom of articles that I wrote uh, on websites like Medium, uh, you know, mentions occasionally on the podcast about it. But yeah, that's that's the gist of it. Wow. See that? I'm learning. I'm, and I'm taking notes. <laughs> I'm learning and taking notes. Well, I, I think people <laughs> are here awesome. to learn. People want to learn from you, not me. So let's let's. Yeah. Well, no, it's funny though, is because early on uh, when we started promoting Billboard, um, I kept saying email, email, email. Uh, my team, who are a lot younger than I am, kept saying social, social, social. Uh, and now they're starting to go like, you know, email is probably not a bad thing. Um, and so, but we're trying to figure it out. Like it, yeah. it, it's kind of, it's very liquid and we're trying to figure out the best way to go forward. So 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and any 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 advice on that is 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 worth gold. You know. Well, we're off on a tangent here, but uh, let me bring it back to something that I think is is much more relevant to uh, our listeners and and also to kind of you. You know, you mentioned that you think about money and and the commercial success of a project. How do you measure your life, and how do you measure the value of your work and the quality of your life and the things that you've done? What are the metrics that make things meaningful to you beyond the standard metrics that you can quantify? Enjoy. I like, I like, I like, I like things that are really well done and really well crafted. Um, whether it be, you know, a jacket, whether it be a cigar, whether it be, you know, certain things like my biggest thing is it's like, I measure success. is not only the things, not necessarily the things you have, cause that's, that's BS, but it's literally those amount of things that bring fulfillment and joy to your life of having that time that you can actually spend the time to enjoy means that you're successful. Um, those people that that are um, unfortunately live in um, challenging times in their lives and that um, aren't doing the job that they want to be doing and these sorts of things are not living their lives full of joy. Um, and it's a matter of I find I feel that you are that you can say that you're successful when you do more things that create joy in your life than create hardship. Or mm. do the things that you want to do versus the things you don't want to do. Um, I'm very, you know, I've, I've worked for everything that I have. Like I've not been lucky a damn day in my life. I haven't. Um, but you know, I just, I'm willing and determined to constantly be, be bringing joy to not only my own life, but also the people's lives around me. Uh, am I easy to, to work with or live with? Hell no. But at the same time, it's a matter of like, if I could bring a smile to my girl's face or a smile to my wife's face, um, that, uh, that's successful to me. If I, if I can move people in audiences that see my work uh, and it makes them think differently, not necessarily bring them joy in terms of ha-ha happy, but actually the spark of an idea or, or, or the stirring of emotion, that is what joy is. And, and it's a matter of that's what pushes me. That's what drives me. I don't, need, I don't need riches. I don't need any of those sorts of things. I just want to be able to tell my next story. Wow. So two final questions for you. Uh, oh, you can keep bringing them. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, what's the lesson that it's taken you the longest to learn? Listen. To listen. Um, I've always been one that wanted to talk more than listen. Um, and I think that I've learned so much more um in the last 20 years than I did my first 20 years. Um and I think that's the most important thing that that um, I've learned is to listen. Um, and it's amazing. It's helped me with my script writing because I'll go out to a, a place uh, and listen to people talk um, and like how they speak. Uh, and then I start to find characters or start to speak that same way. And then I go to another location and listen to how they speak. And that might be a different character's way of speaking. Uh, it's a matter of like, like really listening has been the most challenging thing for me. Because also too, I was the youngest in my household, so being the youngest is sometimes you're 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 the hardest one to be heard, uh, and that's probably why once I got out of the, the nuclear family and things that that I um, you know started to try and be heard as much as I could. Um, but listening is probably the, and it's funny being a filmmaker when you're pushing your ideas out there and 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 your and your vision out there uh, that I'm saying that. The, the, the most valuable lesson I had is to listen. Mm, wow. 
All right. Uh, one final question for you, which is how we finish all of our interviews at the Unmistakable Creative. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? I knew that was coming, and I and 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 I and I I trying not to prethink things. Um, I think what makes people unmistakable is um, leaving an impression, um, and hopefully it's a favorable one. Uh, and also, too, that goes along the same lines of what I believe in 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 um, in religion as well. Um, that people like if you treat people horribly, it's kind of like your hell after you die. And if you pe- treat people well, um, that is um, your heaven. Um, in Hebrew, it's Yitzhak Hara, Yitzhak Tov, um, and um, that's kind of like how I how I I feel that um, you have to live your life as a matter of you want to leave a good impression with people so that um, they remember you kindly. Mm. Amazing. Well, this has been really, really uh, fun and interesting and uh, thought-provoking, and you've taken us in a lot of different directions. Uh, So I really uh, appreciate you taking the time to join us and uh, share your story and your insights with our listeners. Where can people find out more about you, your work, and everything that you're up to? Sure. Um, So I do. uh, I just started a blog not too long ago called ZiegZelker.com. My company is iDreamMachine.com. My latest project is billboardmovie.com. Um, and then if people want to follow along with that project, they can you know, like us on Instagram and Facebook. It's Billboard Movie, you know, at all those sites as well as, well as Twitter. Um, and I'm trying to be more of a student and listen, as I said, more and, and share what I've learned with other people because it seems like they are eager to learn from somebody that's been through everything. It's kind of been completely self-made. Um, and, um, and I'm very happy to share as much knowledge as I have with people. Awesome. But this has been awesome. I wasn't expecting to go on all these different tangents, uh, nor was I expecting to be talking about deep uh, personal family things and, and, and so forth. So, um, But I appreciate that. It, it's been a great interview. Thank Absolutely. you. Well, thank you. And for everybody listening, we'll wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person, because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.